the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Buca Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Well, this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, and you should, I want to invite your attention to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin our reading in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. So when you find it, let us know you're there by shouting as loud as you can, uh, amen. So we'll know that you're there. We can move right along. Doesn't matter whether you're in uh, Washington, D.C., California, New York, New Jersey, whether you're across the seas uh, in Ghana or Guyana or Philippines or wherever you may be around the world, shout it out. Let us know you're there. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. All right. The word of the Lord reads this morning. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let peace, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the privileged opportunity we have to stand before you. God, right now, I stand in need of you. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your preservation of my body and of my mind that it might be used for your glory and for your honor. Spirit of the Lord, I pray that if there's anyone that doesn't know you today, that this word would come forth to draw their lives and draw their hearts to you as savior of their life. I pray for those, God, who may have drifted in fellowship, that you would draw them through the word of God back into fellowship with you, strong fellowship with you. Spirit of the Lord, I'm praying that that those that are in need of edification, that they will be edified by the word, that they might be enlightened by your word, Heavenly Father. I pray that above and beyond all that transpires, God, that your name would get glory out of the preaching of this gospel on today. God, I need you, and I'm praying that you would uh, show up in an extraordinary way, that, that this be not just another ordinary experience, but it'd be an extraordinary experience in your presence. So, Spirit of the Lord, use me now as a vessel in your hand. I surrender all to you. Have your way in me and through me that the declaring of the word might be rich and powerful and transformative today. 
Have your way, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray and I thank you. Amen and amen. This book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul to the saints at Colossae, the faithful saints at Colossae. Uh, he writes to correct some heresy that has risen up amongst them and in their region. Uh, it's a heretical teaching that leads ultimately to Gnosticism, uh, which was a false teaching that uh, was was encouraging people or rather teaching people or telling people that they needed and that it was going to be a more intellectual Christianity for the Jews. It emphasized the Old Testament Jewish culture. Philosophically, it, 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 it promoted the pursuit of a deeper knowledge. Uh, spiritually, it promoted the relationship with and the worship of angels uh, as it was being sold, it was being sold to the people as a religion of the elite, as a practice of the elite, that somehow they could rise above the mundane and the normal and the traditional Christianity to a higher level and a very more elite religious set. This is what they pushed out to the people. And though there was a mention of Christ in their religion, there was also the exclusion of him as deity. In other words, they denied that he was God. Amazingly, as I was researching and, and looking back as to the whole depth of what was going on in Colossae, I couldn't help but see ourselves today. I couldn't help to see a culture of today where many have drawn back and are drawing back from Christianity as as if it is somehow so old that it's not good enough and, 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 and if it's so traditional and it's so uh, mundane that we need something a little higher. We need something a little more intellectual. We need a little something that's a little more spiritual. It reminds me so much of what we see just happening in our culture today. That Christ somehow is not enough. Well, Paul, as he begins to address this group who seems to be searching for something more intellectual, something more spiritual, something more uh, philosophical in their Christianity without boundaries. Paul says to them, look, in our text, as dig back into the whole thing, Paul says to them, well, after having shown you, he, he walks through and he shows them that they already are complete in Christ. There's nothing else they need. And Paul says, and since you've been raised with Christ, now you should seek the things of Christ as opposed to the things of the enemy or something other than what you're already complete in. Paul says, seek the things of Christ. And as a reminder, you died with Christ. Don't forget, you died with Christ. And now you should be living in him. And the life in essence that you now live, you're living in him. The one who is the highest level of intelligence, the one who is the highest spiritual being, the one who is the highest philosophical understanding and interpretation, the, the one who is in essence of the highest spirituality, you're complete in him. And so Paul says, as a result, there ought to be a certain way that you carry yourself. There ought to be a certain way that you adorn yourself. There ought to be a certain way that you stick to what you already have. And as he encourages them in their adornment, he really is encouraging them in the adornment of their behavior. He says, 
This is how you ought to live. This is how you ought to adorn yourself. So this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject matter, the clothing of a Christian. The clothing of a Christian. And let me say this. I think that some of the reason why uh, this the new generation is pushing back from Christianity is because they're they're, if I can say it this way, they're not impressed with the clothing that the Christians are wearing. <laughs> Help me, Lord Jesus. But I believe if we as Christians, even as the Apostle Paul is going to lay out in this text, I believe if we adorn ourselves with the clothing that the Scripture calls us to clothe ourselves with, Christianity will continually be an appealing draw for those who are lost, as opposed to something that that's worthy of being tossed out, worthy of being put aside, worthy of a need for more intellectualism, more than something that's a need for something that's more philosophical, more than a need for something that is more spiritual. There's nothing more spiritual than Christ. There's nothing more intellectual than Christ. There's nothing more philosophical than Christ. But if we adorn ourselves, the world would see who he is in us. Y'all still here with me? So the text begins here in verse 12. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long suffering." The first movement of the text, if I can say it that way, is that the Christian is to clothe themselves. They should be clothed with the character of God. The Christian should be clothed with the character of God. That is, in essence, what the Apostle Paul is laying out here in the text. That as you adorn yourself, as the clothing of the Christian, the first clothing of the Christian is that they ought to clothe themselves or be clothed with the character of God. He says here in the text, as the elect of God, holy and beloved of God. Can I kind of pause right there and help you with something right here? Because what I want you to see, what I don't want you to miss, I want you to comprehend and understand how special you are in God. Here, here it is, because I believe for some of us, the problem with uh, Christianity is we don't realize how special we are. And the reason why some of our newer generation is seeking after something else is because they don't realize that in Christ, you are special. They don't know how special they are. So I want you to understand something. I want you to see something that the text lays out clearly. The text lays out so very clearly that you are special to God. The text says, as the elect of God, which means God chose you. Out of all the people in the world, out of all the, 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 the people that's running around and all the, the choices that he had, and, and, and watch this, and, and you know you, but God still chose you. You've been chosen of God. That ought to let you know how special you are. Not only does he say you've been chosen of God, he says you are the holy of God. You're holy. Now watch this. The only way that you became holy is through the work and the grace of God. It was the labor and the grace of God that allowed you to be holy. You or I could have never been holy had it not been for the labor of God and the grace of God that he applied in our lives. So we're special. I want you to see we're special. God labored for you so that you could be called his child. He worked for you so that you be called his child. He, he extended grace to you and me so that we could be called his children. We're special. We're special to God. Not only does he say that, call us the elect of God and the holy of God, but he says the beloved of God. Can I stop that? Can I pause and, 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 and let you know that God loves you? That God cares about you? That Watch this. He loves you just like you are. 
with all of your flaws and all of your failures and all of your hangups and all of your hiccups. God loves you. He loves you regardless of how you look. He loves you regardless of what your past was, who your parents are, and what problems you have. God loves you. And he loves you so much he sent his son just for you. Yeah, I need you to understand something as we as we delve into how we ought to clothe ourselves and, and this clothe being being clothed with the character of God. First of all, I need you to know how special you are. And as special as you are, God has honored you and me that we may be clothed in his character. Lord, have mercy. Verse 12 says here, be clothed with this character of God as the elect and the holy and the beloved of God. Put on. Now, he already told them what to take off. He already told them what, how they ought to take off. You go back into the previous chapters. He says, take these things off. Remove these things because these are not the clothing of a Christian. But now he's going to come back and say, now, clothe yourself with the characteristic traits of God. He starts off with tender mercies, and he's going to give us five characteristic traits of God. Clothe yourself, put on tender mercies. Lamentations 3.22 says that the, the mercies of God are new every morning. Lord, have mercy. And so if I put on the character of God, oh my God, the mercy, the compassion ought to be new every morning. I, I ought not run out of compassion on my brothers and my sisters. I need to be putting that on every day in the same way that it is the character of God to have new mercy, new compassion every day. I ought to have that as a character in my life. That ought to be part of my clothing. The kindness, he says, put on kindness. That's favor. Psalm 25 verse 6 says this. It says, remember your loving kindness and your tender mercies for they are from of old. The kindness of God is not something that just started. The kindness of God did not begin when he looked at you and saw that you were so cute and so pretty. No, the kindness of God didn't even start when you said to God, I surrender my life. The kindness of God has been from of old. What that really literally means is that the favor of God has been on man since the beginning of time. God has always been a kind God. It's always been part of his character. And he says to you and I, put that on Put on that characteristic of God, the kindness of God, the, the favor of God, the, the tender mercies of God. Then he says also the hu humility. He's put on humility. Philippians 2 lets us know that the character of God includes humility. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and he became uh, uh, obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. He humbled himself. Christ, God himself, was humble. He could have come in majesty and, and flaming lights and all that. No, but he was born humble in a manger. He was humble. If the character of Christ was humility. And he says to you and I, as we clothe ourselves in the character of God, put on humility. Put that on. Let that be the thing that, that people see. Meekness. Meekness is best described as power under control. Oh, yeah, you've got the power, but can you put it under control? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control because Jesus had all power. But yet the scripture lets us know in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek. And lowly of heart, I'm, I'm, I'm meek, I've got power under control, and I'm humble. He says, and you will find rest for your soul. He lets us know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, I love this. He says, so not only does he ask us in terms of clothing ourselves with the characters of tender mercies, kindness, humility, and meekness, but finally he says, 
Put on long suffering. First Peter lets us know that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but he is long suffering towards us. He endures uh, us for a long period of time. He's patient with us for a long period of time. He holds on and waits for a long period of time. Numbers chapter 14 lets us know that the Lord is long suffering and great in mercy. And so as we clothe ourselves, we clothe ourselves with the character of God. That's the first clothing that the apostle Paul calls us to clothe ourselves with. And as we clothe ourselves with the character of God, he says, watch this, bearing with one another is in verse 13. He says, bearing with one another. This is part of the character of God. The character of God allows you to bear with one another and forgive. We need to clothe ourselves with the character of God that allows us to bear with one another. Realize that we are different. Realize that conflicts will rise and differences will come, but we can bear with one another. We can be patient with one another. We can uh, tolerate one another's differences. Bear with one another because guess what? We're of the same body. So we ought to be able to bear with one another. The character that the characteristic trait here is being able to be patient, to, to endure each other. And when we're wronged, and we will be wronged. He says, forgive one another. As we clothe ourselves with the character of God, clothe yourself with the character of forgiveness. And then what I love about this particular part of the text, he doesn't just make this as a suggestion. He says it's something you must do. And I would declare this morning that one of the, 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 one of the pieces of clothing that, that far too many of us have not adorned ourselves with is forgiveness. And when the world looks at us from the outside and sees that we can't forgive, but yet we declare that Christ forgave us, they believe us to be hypocrites. We've got to adorn ourselves in such a way that the character of God is manifest in how we look. So people can look at us, our adornment, and see that, yes, I know how to forgive. And not only, watch this, as he says here in the text, he doesn't say, you know, think about forgiving. No, he says, forgive one another, even as Christ forgave you. If you've got a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. It's not a suggestion. So this character trait is something we must do. We must forgive each other. Now, let, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I remember what you've done, but I release you from the penalties of retaliation. That's forgiveness. I release you from any penalties that I may have created to retaliate against you. I'm not going to hold you hostage for something you did way back when. No, I'm releasing you. Forgive. Can I help somebody right here? If you forgive, it frees you. You're thinking, I'm not going to forgive them because they don't think they got free. No, you're the one being held hostage when you're not forgiving. It's your blood pressure that's rising. It's your heartbeat that's rising. It's you that's going through the suffering. It's, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You drinking the poison by not forgiving. Forgive, let it go. Look at what Christ has forgiven for you of. And you, we've wronged him far more than anybody could ever wrong us. Forgive. We've got to do that. We need the clothing of the character of forgiveness. This first text movement, he says, look, as Christians, as we, the clothing of the Christian begins with being clothed with the character of God. As we move into verse number 14, verse 14 says, but above all, these things put on love, 
which is the bond of perfection. So the second thing we need to be clothed with, other than the character of God, he says we ought to be clothed with the love of God. My goodness. Above all, he says, I like this, because when I, when I, when I was reading through this, it kind of gave me the idea of, of putting on a, a, an overcoat. So over everything else, put on love. My goodness. And watch this. And, and when everybody looks at you, all they see is your overcoat. They see the outer coat. And what did Jesus say? They'll know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So Paul says, put on as an overcoat, love. Above all, put on love. And whatever, this is what will be seen first. This is what everyone will visualize and see first is the love. Put on First, put on as an overcoat. Above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I like this. The idea here that he's trying to convey is that love is the glue that holds all the other things together. Without love, you cannot, watch this, you can't, you can't keep on the clothing of the character of God without the love of God. Mm. Um, the other pieces of clothing, the other pieces of garments are all being perfectly held together, perfectly held in place by the overcoat of love. And he says, um, put on this love. It holds everything else together. It holds everything in its place. All the other clothes need the overcoat. All the other to stay perfectly in place. It's the bond of perfection. It's the, Lord Jesus, love, my God, it's the thing that makes us Perfect, Lord Jesus. What, what, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, it was love that God caused God to send us his son. How do you know that? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And it was love that died on the cross so that you and I could be perfected. We were ruined and broken and messed up and mixed up. But love put us back together again. Lord, have mercy. And so love is the bond of perfection. And it wants you put on love as an overcoat and people see love before they see anything else and it holds all the other pieces together. It allows us, watch this, it allows us to carry the characteristics of God, to, to, to be clothed in the character of God when we're clothed with the love of God. Mm. I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen. Let me move on. He says, look, um, verse 15, he says, let, let peace rule in your heart. Verse 15, he says, and let peace, the peace of God, rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Watch this. When love is ruling, when, when you've put on the overcoat of love, watch this, there's no need to fear peace leaving. Y'all still here with me? In other words, I, I, don't have, I have no anxiety when I've put on the overcoat of love, which is the bond of perfection, which means everything has been made right because of love. And if everything has been made right, then I don't have to worry about chaos and confusion. Watch this, because I was delivered from chaos and confusion by love. And if love, watch this, is my overcoat, then watch this, then I can let, I can let peace rule in my heart. I don't have to let chaos rule in my heart anymore because peace is my overcoat, Lord Jesus, because I'm coming to a relationship through love. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry 
of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.